In this episode, we focus on the habits that make a warrior. Our special guest today is Navy SEAL Eric Davis, who is considered to be one of the best snipers instructors in the military. We delve deep into the core aspects of living a warrior life, and more importantly, we focus on the framework of a warrior. Our conversation here also explores manhood and what it takes to raise a son in our society. If you're a warrior-minded individual, this episode will get you fired up. So many lessons learned here. Don't miss it. Stand by. Welcome to the Man of War podcast, where we forge men into warriors and get them battle-ready for the game of life. Learn warrior hacks that strengthen your mindset, self-confidence, courage, and personal protection skills. Unlock a life that embodies a warrior spirit for dynamic success in life and in business. If you're joining us for the first time, you're tuning in to the one and only podcast that empowers you to achieve greatness by living the warrior lifestyle. Each show, we interview elite men from around the globe and delve deep into their mindset and daily rituals, uncovering their secrets to success. I'm Rafa Conde, founder and creator of the Man of War Movement. Join me on this life-altering journey where we recharge your mind, body, and spirit. Rise the night, my friends. Just a quick order of business here. By the time you are listening to this episode, I am most likely still deployed for Hurricane Irma, which looks to be a Goliath of a storm. My prayers are with my state of Florida. I will be out there protecting and helping my community. This is what warriors do. Now, my family is strong, and they understand that while they will always come first, I took an oath to serve and protect. It sucks to be away from them, but I made sure they're squared away like any good man would do. With my brothers together, we will pull through this storm and live to fight another day. We will be stronger and wiser after this, no doubt about it. Please don't forget to visit us at manofwar.live and check us out on social media at Man of War Podcast. I will talk to you guys on the flip side on this storm. God bless. Now let's get ready for a very powerful conversation. Let's get right into it. Eric, thank you for your service and welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Honored to be here. Appreciate it. Awesome, Eric. Hey, listen, um, tell us a little bit about who you are and your background. I mean, my, our listeners are going to love to hear that. Oh, uh, long story, short story, or medium? <laughs> uh, whatever you want. I'm here to listen. Okay. Um, maybe I'll hit it somewhere in between. So let's see. Uh, I'll start at the very, very beginning. Uh, father was uh, the bishop of our church. Uh, he was a sheriff or a captain of the sheriff's department. I grew up wanting to do nothing else but be like my father. Uh, about the age of maybe 13, 14, somewhere in those years, he got to get, he started to become sick. Uh, had some mental illness uh, fall in, clinical depression, they called it back then, diabetes. A few different things struck him at the same time. And uh, he ended up having to become hospitalized, you know, stopped his role at the church, stopped his role in the sheriff's department, uh, was still in my life. But uh, it was one of those moments where I was uh, old enough to realize that I wasn't done needing a father, uh, but I was too young to go on without one. So really, the beginning of my story started as this kid who knew he needed more leadership, more direction, more discipline you know, more of any of those things, fill in the blanks that a father should or could give you. Uh, and my father gave me a ton. He was an awesome father. I just, I think because he was such a great father to me, 
uh, that I realized there is more to go, right? Just like if you have a good teacher, whether it's martial arts and shooting or running or anything like that, if you have a really good teacher and they depart or they leave, you, you're going to really feel a gap. So that was me. Uh, so I dove in at a very young age and whatever you want to call it, personal development, coaching, self-help, anything, anything and everything like that. And I realized very quickly that either one, there was something wrong with me or two, that it didn't work, uh, that these books were for the purposes of selling book books and having you feel better, but not really actually progressing your life. Uh, the latter turned out to be true as I continued down this career path. So a little bit lost and young, I did what I thought was the only natural thing to do is join the SEAL teams. And the reason I picked the SEAL teams because it was the toughest training that I could find, or at least that I perceived. And I thought, well, I better find the very best or the very most difficult thing I can do because I need a lot of help. So in I went. So the story progresses. Uh, I didn't go straight to SEAL training. Uh, there's a whole story there about me actually going to SEAL training, quitting to go home and be with my family, leaving the Navy and realizing that wasn't the way to go. And I can talk on that for days. <laughs> coming back, coming back into the Navy, realizing that one of the first things I demonstrated for my kids was letting go of a dream. And that then I, I said, that's not going to work. So I came back in and made it through SEAL training. A couple of unique things happened to me there that I believe are relevant to the listeners or anyone who reads my book or anyone who listens to this or visits any of the stuff I read is I had the opportunity to get really, really good at something. Meaning when I became a sniper instructor, I dove in. I was like, I don't care what's going on. I don't care about my rank. I don't care about anything else. I'm going to see how good I can get at training and teaching other, other people. And in this case, it was teaching warriors how to kill. So I dove in. I studied with a gentleman named Lanny Basham, read his books. He came out and consulted with our group. I got into mental management, all the, all, everything you can think of, performance psychology, all of that stuff. And we were able to make a big impact on the way we trained snipers. We had a lot of guys who'd come to sniper school. These guys were already SEALs and they would fail out. And by the time we were done, that went from like double digit failure rate down to single digits. And we did not reduce the standards. We did not take longer. We did not increase the budget. We just got really, really good at human performance individually and collectively as instructors. And when I was there, I had the opportunity to train some guys who went on to become fairly famous, if not infamous, Marcus Luttrell, Lone Survivor. Uh, he wrote that book. My name popped up in it. And buzz started to happen right then and there in my life. People like, is that you in the book? And I, you know, I was still active duty. I was like, gosh, dang it, Marcus. Like, yeah, that's my name. <laughs> but I didn't mind. I'm like, dude, cool. That's awesome. Thanks for the, you know, thanks for the recognition. And then I also had the opportunity. We, um, switched to mentoring sniper students one-on-one -on -one. and Chris Kyle, Chris Kyle of American sniper, which most people probably who listen to this podcast would know him. He became my personal student. And uh, of course there's other sniper instructors and all kinds of, a lot of good dudes doing a lot of good things, but what this kind of series of events led up to when I left the Navy, there was just a little bit of cachet to my name as far as training and human performance. And I went to one of the largest financial firms in California and I said, Hey, training SEAL sniper teams is fundamentally the same as training a sales team. Performance is performance. And when you understand how to do it, you can duplicate it across the board and, and they bought it. They're like, yeah, we're all in. And the reason I tell the story about Chris and Marcus, one, because I love it because I'm a guy that likes these stories too. But two, I believe having that kind of experience or that history in my background opened up some doors for me. So I took everything I was doing in my professional world as a sniper and an instructor and a trainer 
And I brought it out to executives, entrepreneurs, things like that. And it turns out performance through process is what I call it, the way I approach things, the way I break down an individual performer into small, tiny, tiny bits and pieces, and then make it duplicatable and replicable, something that someone can replicate through training really, really, really works. Very, very powerful, especially inside the corporate world. Because when you're in the military, we always make this joke. If we were a corporation, we would be broke. As soon as you, any, anyone who's in the military who thinks that, get out and go work for a corporation. You'll be amazed that they're even breathing because they are so disorganized and there's just there's no standard operating procedure. It's just insane. Obviously, they know what they're doing to some degree. But as the, the world marketplace tightens and competition gets tighter, they can't survive anymore by being kind of willy-nilly. So when you bring this kind of process to what they're doing, not only does it allow them to capture and evolve what they're doing, but it allows them to span and scale quickly. So that's my fairly quick story about who I am, where I came from, and what I do. That all led up to what I do now when I wrote the book, um, Raising Men, Lessons We Learned in SEAL Training, Taught to Our Sons. Uh, you know, So a few years ago, I was a COO of a small financial firm. Uh, I left that to become a writer. That worked well. The book worked well. And then at the beginning of this year, I switched out of all corporate stuff and I began coaching individual groups of men. So I coach a seven man group at a time. And now what I do is I coach and train and consult and then I write about it. So hopefully that was kind of the medium sized story. But that is my that, <laughs> I, all, yeah, all of that plays into any question we'll go to from now. You'll be like, oh, that's why he thinks that way. Or that's why he's crazy. I'm thinking, hey, did you have this written down somewhere in a chalkboard? <laughs> No, I've told, I've told this story lots of times. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I got you. I got you. All right, cool. So I'm going to backtrack here a little bit and go towards, um, talk a little bit about your sniper uh, instruction and how you instructed these uh, uh, sniper fighters out there. I could tell you from my experience as a police trainer and uh, as a you know young SWAT officer, I worked narcotics undercover for over a decade. And the fact is that when you step out of the police academy, um, and you hit the real world, shit rolls 100 miles an hour faster than you could even imagine. So my question to you here is, is coming from a military perspective in the sniper group, an elite sniper group, how did you teach these guys to go from a sniper in practice to a sniper in the real real world? So how would they apply that mindset that uh, did you give them anything specific that they could take into the battlefield? Because there's a big difference of someone being in a couple of gunfights for myself. I could tell you that it's a big difference. And you, you could tell me the same thing when somebody's shooting at you and you're shooting at somebody else. It, it, it's a big difference. So I want to know what you taught these guys that made them so good and brought you to a level of an instructor that you were. So there's this quote, um, I'm almost embarrassed I have to look it up because it's on the bottom of every one of my emails, so I just don't <laughs> want to get it wrong. Uh, but it goes, we don't, we don't rise to the level of our expectations, we fall to the level of our training. Good. Very that good. was, yeah, it's a Archaeolius or something like that, I'm saying it wrong, but anyone can look it up. That was the first slide uh, of the first class of every sniper course we ever taught. And that's what it is. It's it's the fundamentals. It's understanding the basics, understanding the fundamentals, and mastering them. Uh, there's another quote. I would not give a fig to live on this side of complexity, but I'd give my life to live on the other. What that what that quote is talking to or speaking to is becoming a master at something. So we train them to such a high level, clear and concise on the fundamentals, that when the time comes in any situation, they have no choice but to fall back upon those things. And that's 
that's the basis of everything. And you know this with martial arts. If somebody steps in the studio and you throw a punch or a jab or you do whatever, their natural intuition, their reaction is usually a flinch to throw their hands. It's something which I, I, I train in jiu-jitsu. And from best I can tell, my, re, my natural <laughs> intuition or reaction is 180 degrees off of what I should be doing to effectively <laughs> counter. You know, at least in jiu-jitsu, I'm like, okay, I couldn't, have been, I couldn't have spun or hip shifted or turned the wrong way any faster than I did until I trained it into myself. And that's what it is. And that applies across the board to everybody everywhere. And that's when this whole thing, sales teams, entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter when you understand the fundamentals and become a master at them, that's when the performance comes. And I say that because I, at some point that's going to come up again in our conversation. And it's important because so many people want and need to excel or progress or optimize their life. They have to do it to survive, to live a good life. It's going to be required. If they don't get it into their head, that that means they're going to be doing some of the same stuff over and over again that is going to go beyond interesting. It's going to go beyond having just read a book or chatted with their buddies. They're never going to win. Just like a football player is never going to win on Sunday if they just watch some cool YouTube videos about football players playing. They're going to have to drill and practice at the basics and the fundamentals over and over again if they're going to win. Uh, so that's that's what I would say. That's how I would describe how we do it. Very good. And you believe that those techniques that you were teaching the snipers can be implemented into our lives as civilians walking this world, you know, with two feet on the ground, not being, you know, high elite operators, you know, bringing it to entrepreneur teams, you know, business teams and basically anyone that wants to take these techniques and tactics and, and mindset approaches that you're teaching you believe that that'll work for just about anyone it goes beyond just believing that it will work it has to it absolutely has to work for anyone um and you know one of the things it used to be interesting and cool to like you know pick apart high high performance like like we could do it as almost entertainment on you know like when we're talking and doing stuff like this and it was interesting for a lot of years but when we say entrepreneur, especially entrepreneurs, I can talk at them right now, like we live in the most competitive dynamic marketplace that this planet has ever seen. And the reason why guys are working their ass off and getting their asses handed to them and not working out and not having time for their family and not having time for boom, 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 whatever, is because they don't know that they must be performing at an elite level. The middle is going away. So there's either you're going to make it, which means you're going to crush it and do really, really well, or you're just not going to do it. It's just the, that middle space is really, really just falling out. So yes, absolutely can we, yes, we can apply these things. And, and right behind that is like you must or just give up. Very good. Very good. Excellent. Who was your mentor growing up? Yeah. So like everything, I got, I got a weird, not a weird story, but <laughs> so <laughs> When I left the teams, I had the amazing opportunity to study with a very unique, like a very different kind of business program or school, whatever you want to call it. Um, all uncommon knowledge, all about performance. No, no, there's no grades. All they did is watch your income and your performance. That's it. And I made some really, really good friends there. I mean, you have to already performing, be performing at the top of the marketplace to even be considered for the school. Um, so the people you meet there are amazing. What I was just working through it, right? I'm just a year maybe out of the Navy. Um, so I've only been competing in this kind of business entrepreneur market spot place now for eight or nine years. I'm relatively new. Um, so there were some things I had to learn pretty fast. 
And so this whole idea behind a mentor, I mentioned this in the ebook I, I wrote, ha- Habits of Heroes, uh, the four mistake men men make. Uh, I kind of I kind of lean into this kind of idea. Um, but I was expecting mentors, right? I was expecting like, okay, I'm, I want to see these guys just killing it in business who are in shape and, and going on vacations and have a good family life. Like, what does it look like when you're not traveling six, eight, nine months out of the year getting drunk with your buddies or, or going to a war zone? You know, like what is a healthy, you know, healthy psychological life <laughs> look like? And I couldn't find any, right? Not even one, like, you know, doesn't, like, there's always something countering that they made money. They were fat and out of shape. If they, if they're in super good shape, they were broke or they were ignoring their kids or, you know, there's always just some concession that was unacceptable to me. And I asked my buddy who was in this course with me, I'm like, dude, I, you're the closest thing I got. You, I mean, this is, you know, but well, who's the guy, where do you find these mentors? And he's like, Eric, he's like, you need to take a piece of all of these people. And that's your mentor you are going to become the person you are looking for, but it's going to be little tiny pieces of everybody. So my answer is I have no mentor. Or if I was going to be forced into a corner and say, who your, who's your mentor? I would say it's a blend between the SEAL teams, uh, men that I meet uh, typically at church, and then maybe one or two people in business, uh, some combination. Excellent. Excellent. So tell me the tactics, techniques, mindset, fortitude that the SEALs taught you and ingrained in you. Do you still use those every single day of your life? A quick time out to remind you to get your free manual, Eight Steps to Living a Warrior Life at manofwar.live forward slash guide. Also, stop by warriorbreed.co and check out our online warrior development program. It's engineered for entrepreneurs and warrior-minded men just like you. Now back to the show. I do, and I don't know. I don't know if I can say like, "Hey, here's the things that they taught me that I'm now using." But what I would say is, my experience there forced me to be in a set of tactics and strategies and practices and and, and habits and rhythms um, to survive and thrive. Does that make sense? Like the environment sure. I was in forced the development of these things. Um, and, and here's what it was. So I was overseas doing sniper operations, covering, uh, these aren't as, as, as exciting as sniper operations as like we like, we'd like to think about, but I was doing is covering shipboardings. Me and my platoon, we probably, we've pirated probably 20, 25 ships in my lifetime. And part of that is a sniper up in the helo. Uh, so you got to go to the helo, you're bouncing around from ship to ship, you know, you've got shaggy hair, you come in at 2am, you hop in the rack by some Navy dudes, you wake up in the morning, they're like, who the hell are you? And you stumble out, get your guns, go off to the helo, you do your thing, but you have to load crypto. You, ha- you basically have to become a communications expert. You cryptography you're dealing with loading it on the helicopter, setting up the helicopter, all of this stuff. And what I realized, I did it a few times. I'm like, you know what? I better start taking notes on this stuff because there's nobody here to help me. You know, once sure. I'm on my own, there's no help. I'm my whole platoon is somewhere else. They could be hundreds of miles away. They could be a mile away, but they're not, no one's there with me. My comm guy's not there. So I started doing that. I had a Palm pilot, one of the first, I'm a very early adopter of any piece of technology and I'd start taking notes. And then those notes got really, really good. And then it got to where I could set up the comms. I can set up the crypto. I can set up the helo very quick. And then I came home. And then someone said, hey, I heard you had a bunch of notes about what you did. And I'm like, oh, yeah, let me tell you about it. And then I just spoke from those notes, a lot like you heard me when I did my intro. And they're like, what the hell, dude? Like, where, is that a book? Did, what is that? 
I'm like, no, dude, I, I, I have this formula, purpose, action, information, debrief, purpose, action, information, debrief. It's a formula for an expert at becoming an expert. So I could go from zero to an expert. I don't know how fast, but pretty damn fast. As fast as my little pumpkin can get me there, I'm going to do it without missing a single step. And that became really the model for my life. So that's how I became a sniper instructor. I was supposed to be a land, um, land warfare instructor, uh, you know, going out to the desert all the time. And then people asked me to teach that class. And then sniper sells like, dude, you're coming over here. Uh, cause we need what you got. And that's how I got started. Anyways, point being, that is what I have to do. And then now I'll add to that for my own performance, right? That's to, that's to like get the learning part of it all down. But then I realized for myself, I need to be in certain rhythms, certain practices that I do every single day, just like any professional would be doing, right? A professional athlete, a professional doctor, a lawyer, you know, we think some professions, we think about it, but most people are blind to this. All professions need to be practicing. So I'd take that process and I'd apply it to my everyday life. And then I get really good at things. That's how I can, or at least good enough. I, you know, I, <laughs> that's how I could go from zero. I didn't, I've never taken a writing class. I've never done that, but then I could become an author. I could, you know, run websites. I can run a sales team or whatever, just because the knowledge is out there. The knowledge that's not out there is how to take the existing knowledge and spin it into expertise. So when you left the SEALs, did you already have something projected that you wanted to do or, or did it just come about? Yeah. So I am a, what they call an organic writer and which means you don't outline and you just write. And then based on what you write is what you write next. And I'm also an organic liver, liver, like life liver, <laughs> yeah. not, you know, in a way. So I did have an idea. So again, back to the fundamentals, right? I knew I needed to earn, save and invest enough money to survive, be free and live a good life. Not only during my 40 years of adulthood, but my 20 to 30 years of old age fundamentals. That has never, ever stopped. That is something somebody taught me. And that is something I've held on to the whole time. Because my wife or other people like, you know, be like, oh, it seems like you've moved around careers. I go, I've never once shifted. I've never once shifted from my mission. Now, the vehicles to get me there, those have moved around a little bit. So coming out, realistically, what I was going to do is go sell insurance with my brother. I actually love insurance because of the protective nature. And insurance in the world of insurance and finance, there's just a lot of vipers out there trying to take advantage of people. So I got fired up about it and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go square this away. That was my original intent. And then it just never went that way. So I tried to get out. Um, the intelligence command I was working for pulled me back to do some contracting for them. Uh, nothing sexy, really just some of their contracting, how they pr can procure things. So I did that for a little bit. That was not my intention. And then while I was doing that and getting ready to transition into quote unquote, the business world, that's when I met some people inside of the world of finance. And I said, Hey, you know, snipers, sales team, same, same. And then I took off and I, I got, I was so good at it so fast and I was able to make such an impact with the people who are trying to survive and make their own livelihood. I just fell in love with it. Um, and then really the only shift was, is I didn't want to do it inside of a corporation. I wanted to be able to make it available to everybody. And that's when I left and became a writer and put my stuff online and took off. Hmm. Very good. Very interesting. So leaving you off, you became a writer. So let's talk a little bit. And we were talking before we started this recording about what inspired you writing a book about young manhood. Yeah, the like we were talking about before, I was on my way to a top secret mission overseas I was uh, in the airport heading towards some of the East Coast agencies to get briefed on, on the way out. And this is in the book, Raising Men, like I was saying. 
And I was just thinking how I, I missed my daughter's birthday, how, you know, I'd missed a bunch of things, um, but I wasn't feeling bad about it. I was like, you know, I'm doing like, I'm feeling good. You know, my kids are good. They're solid. I love them. They love me. We have all this cool experiences together. And I thought, man, this is such a dynamic environment that I'm operating in traveling and deploying and, you know, there's all of this stuff. I thought, man, if I, if I can do well, and I was very young too. I had my first kid when I was 19. So there's just all the odds were stacked really not in my favor, but I was doing it. I, I thought I was doing a good job. And a lot of other people would tell me like, man, you're an amazing father. You, and again, my wife, my ex-wife, and my current wife, they're amazing people. They're, I mean, you, you know, they're 95% of all this, but since they're not on the podcast, we're going to talk about the part I did. But you know, people like you, the way you raise your kids, the way you think, the way you talk to them, all of that stuff. I thought, man, and it was just getting better. I was, as I was learning perform the art of performance, right. And mental management and training snipers. It just, I just kept getting better. My analogies, talking with them, the way I'd think about things and their experience and behavior change. And it was just hit me in the airport. I'm like, man, I got to write about this. This is one. I think it's interesting as hell. I want to talk and write about it some more and it's effective and would be useful for people and it's been such a blessing because I can dispel so much of the bullshit that's out there about manhood and parent parenting and all this stuff applies to girls too, but it's all speak, spoken to men right now because girls have to compete in the same uh, arena now, right? But all the BS that's out there, especially the antiquated things around the cultural norms around manhood that guys are still following, which is what the very thing that's in their way. And I just wanted to dispel that. I wanted to give people a different point of view. I wanted to give people a point of view where I thought they might listen to a different angle and a different approach. So it's been a blessing as well. But that's what inspired it. Very good. Very good. So what do you think about manhood nowadays in general? I mean, it's um, and your views are definitely very specific. And maybe we can touch on two or three core elements that you believe are the most important when raising a boy. Yeah. So one of the, here's the first thing with manhood is right now, here's the problem with like you take the word masculinity, you look it up and usually looking words up isn't super useful because that's all the common definition. You usually you want to get a little deeper, sure. but it talks about the cultural norm around what a man should and should not do. Well, if we use our cultural norm around what anybody should or should not do, we're already screwed. Right. Because what we're doing is talking to the masses. It's basically like asking a herd of sheep, like, hey, what should the shepherd do? And they're going to be like, ah. and whatever they tell us, we know is probably not the thing to do. Right. So there's problem number one. It's based off of pop culture. There's no like depth to it. And just like if you study Christian, whatever religion, but if you just study the religion in the moment for yourself, you're not going to get any theology. Right. You're not going to get the lessons that have been learned over hundreds and hundreds of years. So that's the pro one big problem with masculinity is guys are letting themselves define what a man is or is not based off of the people to their left and the people to their right. And unfortunately, the people right in front of them on their Facebook or some crap like that. There's number one. The second core thing is that we're also working off of antiquated norms around manhood that our fathers and our grandfathers taught us. And they did a great job. There's generations before us that were amazingly powerful and did amazing things for this country, but they didn't do what they did with the hyperspeed of computers and the internet and all the, the comp again, I'm going to say it again, the competition of a global marketplace, it is totally different. You back then, you could go home after working eight, nine, 10 hours and then kick it on the chair and rub Johnny on the head and tell him to grab you a beer or whatever. It's no big deal. I'm not saying bad things didn't happen then, but it's way different because Johnny was only going to go read some comic books or maybe play, you know, some stick fight with his friends. But now Johnny can get online 
and look at seven different trans like gender options for himself. He can look at uh, different kind of religions. He can look at different kind of ways to think about morals. He can look at different ways to blow things up. Like it's unlimited the things. And I'm not saying anything is good or bad. I'm just saying there's a whole lot of things competing for Johnny's time and attention that now the father can't just come home and kick back anymore. He's got to compete with that stuff to get his message and his morals through. So those are two big core things wrong. From all the way from do it yourself, the idea that we got to be our own gardeners and mechanics and everything like that, which are pulling men out of the real fight, which is to dominate in the marketplace, which now is probably going to start to stray from a lot of listeners. But, you know, hey, that's what I do. No, that's very interesting. Very. In- what is your take on chivalry? On uh, say that again. What is your take on chivalry? I mean, the not in the sense that, not in the sense of the old school chivalry, but you know, just in general, men, you know, they're they're not chivalrous anymore. Is what I hear everywhere. I mean, what's your take on that? Oh boy, we'd have to get. I we'd have to really come to agreement, I guess. On the first, we'd have to start with. With the definition of it. Yeah, let's just uh, t- yeah, let's talk about virtues, you know, honor, integrity, you know, self-discipline, th- things like that, that that are simple. I don't want to get so deep into it where, you know, we get kind of lost in a rabbit hole. But, you know, just the core, I mean, a lot, you know, honor, for example, integrity itself. I mean, just respect. I mean, do you think that maybe we're losing that a little bit with, with men? And, you know, you talk about, you know, definitely technology and the speed of technology sure i mean everything is is moving at 100 miles an hour however it is my personal opinion that i think i mean we we tend as men lose some of that um, and we we kind of get lost in our own little rabbit hole of technology and i mean i'm in agreement with you 100% that you know as far as the marketplace is so challenging out there that if you don't bring your game face day in and day out you're going to wind up in the back burner but what are you, what's your take on some of these virtues and uh, overall yeah so i'm thinking about when you're saying those words and those are great you know when we start ta- stacking that thing up um, those are core pieces of it for sure and what occurred, what hit me as soon as you started saying them is those, so for a long, long time, we were told how to act as men, how to, how to act as boys, girls, whatever. There was, there was rules, right? I mean, religion used to be, I guess religion still is this way. It doesn't have to be, but it used to be only this way, right? Like, oh, here are the rules. Here's what you ought to do and what you ought not do. Like, these are the shoulds and the shouldn'ts. And Again, going back to that antiquated system of manhood, like that's what we did. Honor, integrity, self-discipline, because we should do it. Here's the problem. Those things are important. They were important and they are important. But because we should does not work anymore. And here's why. Because there are too many because we shoulds. And a lot of our because we shoulds were wrong. You know, so if if you're growing up nowadays, like you look at the millennials, my son, right, he grew up learning that, well, we should discriminate, we should segregate. You know what I mean? If he can look back not even a whole generation ago and be like, um, that's effed up. You know, so, okay, now from moving forward, anything that I should or should not do is now that's a no-go. You, you know, now we have an uphill battle. So then you're like, okay, buddy, well, let's talk about honor, integrity, self-discipline. And not that my son does this, but he might be thinking and said like, okay, well, those sounds like things I should do. Like they told me at church or they told me at school, Uh, But so what now what's important now, those things are still important because they matter. 
right? Honor matters, right? Doing things because you said you were going to do them because the society norm is important, right? For us to fit in and establish leadership roles. Integrity matters for us to be whole and complete, for us to be the same person behind closed doors as we are in front of closed doors because we need to produce trust. And if we don't produce trust, no one's going to follow us. So these things matter. Self-discipline matters because we don't always, people think freedom is doing what you want when you feel like doing it, which is complete crap because we're that would only make sense if we had full control of what we felt like doing whenever we wanted to have that control. But as you know, we don't have that all the time. So self-discipline becomes the ability to do what we should be doing rather than what we want to do, right? But then there's a backfill to that. We can't just rely on that just like a sniper can't hold his gun up in the air, he's going to get fatigued. So you have to understand behavior science and desire as well. So yeah, I think those things are not only are they still important, they're actually more important, right? Because business moves at the speed of trust. Like that's a cool saying that makes a lot of sense. I can only move so fast with a client or a corporation as fast as they'll trust me to let them move. So I need to understand honor and integrity and stuff like that. But I need to understand why. I have to understand why it's important. And I have to understand those things that they're deepest level so that I can produce them within myself and within other people around us. So yes, I think they're important. I just think we, we have to change why they're important, not because someone said so, but because they allow us to compete and live a good life and lead others to do the same. Very good. Excellent. Excellent. Eric, what was your biggest failure in life? Oh, oh, that was easily my divorce. Yeah. I, I had to think about, I have so many failures. Like I describe my job as my job is to fail all the time. And then I just basically give people the couple, two percents of the things I got right. <laughs> I was like, that's my job is to fail. Uh, yeah, my divorce, the, that is the, the worst, the, and now I love my ex-wife. She's best friends with my wife. I've coached soccer with her, uh, my, her, her new husband. We have a tremendous relationship. Um, but uh, that, you know, that was the worst thing that's happened to me ever. Yeah, that's a, that's a common thread with many men. Divorce just is very tough, very difficult. What about your biggest success? Oh, I would say, I mean, you know, of course, there's all, I got to cursory say my kids and my current wife and everything. I got to do all that. So that's all said and done. So they can feel good when they hear this someday. But the practical biggest success <laughs> I, it is, so this group of men I'm working with, a common, I talk about that, that ebook I was describing that I, the Habits of Hero One, um, I talk about it in the pipeline of this process of, of men coming into this group that I'm working with. And if you were to ask me, like, describe the guys in this group, I would say what they are is successful guys who have spent their entire life giving their first fruits to their career and then their life to leftovers. And what I do with these guys is I work on what I call the pivot. I, I say, okay, you're powerful enough now to set the standards for your life, your relationships, and you have the power, the experience, the money, whatever, you, you know what I mean? You now have true power, the ability to influence change, which is true power. A lot of guys don't have it. So I, it's a very long selection process for the guys I work with because people, guys think they're powerful all the time. And I'm like, really? Um, let's see that in action. But anyways, this pivot. And so when you, when I think about my greatest success, I would call that my greatest success is my ability to have first made that pivot to say, no, what is acceptable for me in my personal life? What's acceptable for my relationship with my kids, my wife, other people around me? Like what's important to Eric? 
And then now I'm going to design my career and every I'm going to design a world that supports that. So my Monday through Friday is a source of power and inspiration and optimization. It do, I don't show up Friday dragging butt and, you know, just needing a break. And you know what I'm talking about? Like sure. I'm working hard, but it's it's a source of power and inspiration. Sure. Um, and I still have work to, I mean, I'm not saying things are perfect, um, but you know, if I were to describe my life, my, myself, my, my family, my relationships, the things that are important to me, God, my, my relationship with him, all that takes first seat and everything else supports that instead of vice versa. Cool. Cool. Now I'm going to back up a little bit with to uh, Sneel, uh, seal sniper training. What is the criteria that you look for when you're assessing a seal sniper? Mm, well, we obviously have graded events. Um, so, you know, there's objective number, numbers we can use, which are, which aren't, I mean, those are useful, important, but I don't think they're hyper relevant to, you know, this kind of conversation. So let me talk about more of the intangibles, um, the things that I would quote unquote say I'm looking for, but I'm going to say, you know, we use the grades for them to make it or not make it. But these are the things I can observe uh, and report to you about the guys who do make it. They, under duress, under discomfort, they can execute a plan. So one of the things I did is I put the formula for passing a stock on a piece of paper and then I laminate it and put it in guys' pocket. And I said, okay, because when you're tired and you're, you want to talk about, it's the ultimate metaphor for life. You are literally facing the dirt, dragging your sweat, sorry ass across the desert to an objective. Like if you can't tie that to your day to day, you know what I mean? Work life sure. or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? When we're in that state and it's like, okay, you just because your head's down and you can only see a couple inches in front of you, you there's some things that you cannot do. One, you can never lose sight of what we would call the observation post. And, and as an analogy, I would say you can never lose sight of your goal, your mission, your objective. That's key. And then the other thing, you have to take action. So this is the formula, purpose, action, information, debrief. Then you have to take action. So the guys that can hold their purpose, like, okay, I found the observation post. I'm never going to let it go. Right now, there's a whole nother conversation about, is it the right objective? A lot of guys are chasing after something that even if they get it, they're still not going to win the game of life, but that's a whole nother conversation. But then they take action, right? They take action and they take action and they're not dependent upon perfection, right? They're going to take action to start closing on that objective. And they're taking that action for two reasons. One, of course, is to make progress, direct forward, inch by inch progress. But the second reason is to produce information. So they're taking action. They're cool if they failed, right? That's another thing. So they're gathering information. So often you're going to stalk your objective and you'd be like, crap, man, I went the wrong way. There's no way I necessarily could have known or I could have known. It doesn't matter. Or someone told me not to go that way. I went the wrong way. But now based off what I can see around me, I'm not going to hold on to this losing hand. I'm not going to hold on to this job. I'm not going to hold on to this career. I'm not you fill in the blanks. I'm not going to hold on to the addiction, whatever you want to do. Like, Hey, it's cool to turn around, backtrack, move over to the left or the right, 20, 30, 40, 50 yards and reset yourself and go again. So purpose action. And they take action for the sake of progression and information. And then they debrief like, okay, what just happened there? What worked? What didn't work? What do I need to repeat? What do I need to stop? What do I need to modify guys that can, can stay in that loop, whether they, you could talk to guys who've been to sniper school and they're not, not unless they had that card with them when I was there. They may or may not have that language, 
But they'll all agree like, yeah, during duress, while I was sweating, while I was running out of time, while I was tired, while I was hot, while there was a rattlesnake, while there was a stop, you know, instructors picking on me. I never lost sight of my objective. I continued to take action. I wasn't arrogant. I wasn't idiotic. I wasn't this head fast on being right. I was cool being wrong. I debrief myself. I'd move over. I'd reset and attack again. Those are the attributes of a sniper making it through a stock, making it through sniper school. And it just so happens to be they're the attributes for someone being really successful on this planet. Perfect. That's what I was going to ask you next. You know, can you use the same criteria to assess businessmen or entrepreneurs in daily life? Yeah, you could do it in a meeting. You could be in a meeting sure. with somebody and be like, all right, is this guy lost this guy or gal? Or, uh, they lost sight of the purpose of the meeting. They lost sight of the purpose of our business. And then, you know, like, hey, what's our purpose here? What are the numbers? Like, are we taking action or are we just doing the same thing because we're scared? Are we actually gathering information? When we take action and being in some sort of a process of debriefing, it's, it's simple to understand, uh, incredibly difficult to execute because people have to manage their psychology, get rid of the tyrant that's called the tyranny of uh, the urgent and actually approach something in a step by step fashion. But as any gunfighter would know, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. And that's what we're talking about here. Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. So that way, the next steps they take are going to be more effective. Excellent. What is your definition of a modern day warrior? Ooh, there. So, yeah, I, for me, I think right now, maybe if I gave this even more thought, but what shows up for me immediately is I have to break it down into two. I have to separate two different warriors. There is, there is the warrior on the battlefield, and and not, and one person could be both, uh, but I think it's important to recognize the two. They're the ones that stand between us and the bad people. Uh, those are warriors. Those are the ones choosing to put themselves in harm way, harm's way and fighting the real fight um, or a real fight. The other quote unquote warrior, I would say, where at least where I feel the term applies is when you're a man of purpose, you're on mission. Like you have a purpose that transcends your own comfort. Here's the cool thing. When you beginning to coach and help people, and I, I think I noticed this early on, but I really solidified it this year, is you know what happens, Rafa, the moment you square a dude away, the moment he's no longer just chasing his tail, trying to figure out what to do with his career, trying to figure out how to just pay the bills and start getting ahead for this thing, you know, for the retirement when he can't work anymore. You know what the cool thing is? The moment good men get their shit squared away, they look outwards the moment they do. It's, it's an amazing thing. And that to me is a warrior, someone that's not fighting for their own. They're not fighting to play freaking golf for the rest of their life. I mean, definitely play more golf when you have time. If you want to, that's cool because we're going to get older and our bodies need that kind of whatever. Right? Sure. Agreed. Agreed. But, Right. Do, I mean, now play and relaxation and recreation. Those are all the pieces. Those are the formulas for superhuman performance. We have to do those. I'm not saying that. But guys on mission, that's a warrior. Like, yeah, I'm going to live a good life. You see this with guys. This is a big thing when I first started doing podcasts for the books, too. Hopefully I'm not just squirreling. But, you know, I hear I heard it just one too many times. Like guys like, yeah, I'm just going to buckle down and just suffer in misery so that my kids are going to be OK, you know, or whatever they're doing. Sure. And I'm like, dude, how are your kids going to be happy, healthy and productive if you can't do it? You, you got to make the money and get home and hang out and spend time with them and go hang out with your buddies and go paddle surfing, surfing, running, biking, parachuting, whatever it is. You got to do it all, man. You know, it's, 
<laughs> and that's the problem. Guys feel guilty because they're taking themselves away from their kids and their family or whatever. And how we cure guilt is through suffering. So there's this gnarly loop there that guys get into. So a true warrior is someone out there who's kicking ass. That means you are at your best, right? You are making enough money so you can survive and be free and live a good life now and the time comes when you can no longer work i deal with this with christian men all the time they poo poo money too much i'm like "Uh uh-uh dude it's no more appropriate to disregard your finances when you're 80 years old and you're not going to be able to get your own food than it is right now and you have to go onto the street ask someone you're either giving someone food or you're taking food from someone else my, my point being live a good life get it all handled not just to play golf, but so that you can then lead other people. I don't think that's everybody's definition of the warrior on the other side of the fence, but that is definitely mine. Those are guys I look up to and in awe of and will follow. I'm in I'm in 100% agreement with you. I think, uh, you know, you get to a point or a climax in your life where you've done it, you've been there, you've done that, and at that point, at that climax, all you have left is to disseminate that information and to lead others. It's about helping others. In the end, that's what it's all about because you can be whatever, all right? You can be the t- toughest, most elite man on the planet, but if you don't teach that and disseminate that and give it out and help people, you ain't shit when you go home. You know, when you go to the dirt, you ain't shit. The bottom line is you got to disseminate it, and that's what I tell a lot of my listeners. It's so important and you're doing a great job doing this. I mean, you you know, you've written a great book. And it seems like you have a great um, consultation. Uh, you know, you, you deal with men all the time. You're inspiring, motivational, and you know, you're you're very humble. And that's one key aspect that uh, you know definitely attracted me to you as far as getting you on the show because you're a humble guy. And you know, you've been there. You've been through a lot, but you're not trying to make people hey say hey eric davis is the baddest ass in the world no you're out there you're disseminating information and it's you know you're doing it in a manner that people can trust you and we talked about that earlier in the show that's awesome no thank you for that i appreciate that so much all right um i'm gonna kind of dig deep a little bit here before we have to go we have a couple minutes but i do this at the end of each show each show give me a glimpse here of your daily routine what you do when eric davis kind of gets up puts feet on ground Give me a glimpse. That's easy. So 5.30, 6.30, I study every single day because we live in a knowledge-based economy. And if you don't study every day, you're out. Then from 6.30 to 9 o'clock, I write. And then from 9.30 to 10.30, I'm either meeting with my group, I'm meeting with my internal team, or I'm meeting with other people sometimes. Then from 12 to 2, I'm working out. And sometimes that workout, like there's a little bit of slush time in there because two hours is a little bit longer than I need. Um, but that also includes things like surfing, running, some of the things I need to do to introduce like flow and happiness back into my day so I can reset and perform again. Then from 2.30 to 4.30, a uh, couple of the days is what I'd call closed project time, which is just time that I have to work on a project or just to be in some quiet space there to design or invent or do some, you know, keep myself aware. And then three days out of the, the five, I would call that open appointment times where I have time to meet with the people I'm coaching or other people that I'm working with. And then from five to six, I'm either at jujitsu coaching and training with my girls or we're doing what I call seal pup conditioning, which I'm working out with them, just doing different things that are fun and adventurous. And that is exactly my day. And then Sunday's church. And then I do a little seal pup excursion on most Sundays with my two little girls who are left the ones left at home now. And we'll do something like free diving, climbing, mountain biking, something like that. Uh, But that is exactly my day. 
Excellent. I love it. I love it. You know, you have time for your family, yet you're so squared away and organized throughout the week that you pretty much at least you attempt to, you know, achieve most of your goals and get things done. That's awesome. And then you have time for your family, which is so important. So important. I tell my listeners and a lot of the guys that I work with, you know, hey, you know, being with your family, if you have a family and, you know, you got to be there. I mean, you got to be there. All right. Last thing before we go. Okay. Um, Tell me, give my listeners some type of advice, anything that you think will help them live a life that embodies the warrior spirit. So the book I'm working on now, I got to figure out the title because I called my ebook Habits of Heroes, but the book book was going to be called Habits of Heroes. But I'll tell you a story that's inside of it. I was so I study dog trainers or animal trainers uh, because I have a Belgian Malinois. She's a tack dog. She's a bite dog. Oof, and I had, I had one too. Boy. Oh yeah, you they, know Matt. They have a drive. Uh, they're they, nasty. I literally have. Uh, yeah, I'm bleeding right now because she bit through her bite sleeve last oof, night. Awesome. And she's a nice. She's a family Malmo. If you you know what I mean. From Mike Ritland of Tricos, he breeds and trains dogs for gotcha. the SEAL teams. Awesome, awesome guy. Uh, he's like, no, this is the family version, and she's just nasty. But I'm like, I'm gonna train her myself. And by no dog trainers out there, I, I, you already know, like I trained her how I trained her. It's not like you guys would because dog trainers are amazing and they're experts and I've learned so much from them and I'm still a beginner, but I wanted to understand full behavior science. And it turns out that, um, behavior science is behavior science. You train your dog, like you train your kid, like you train people around them. You're either reinforcing behavior or you're, you're discouraging behavior. And there's a whole bunch of science to it. BF Skinner, good stuff. Anyway, so I'm studying all these animal training books. And I'm reading, I'm listening to one on a podcast, um, and uh, I'll save the the back end of this story for the book because, I, anyways, I'd done, I'd lived a, I've lived a certain life, I've done certain things to myself that I would say, okay, I'm not proud of. Like you'll you'll get it in the book, but she described a polar bear in the zoo. You'll understand what I was just getting at right there. And she said, this was the problem. You take a carnivore who's used to roaming, you know, 50,000 acres. I don't know if those numbers are correct, but the story will still make sense. And you put them in a five yard pen or whatever, you know, the smaller pen, they start pacing back and forth. And then they do what's called self mutilated behaviors. And what the lady was saying is she's like, they were bred to hunt and fight. And now we stuck them in a zoo. They call it, I believe the term is called zoocosis. And if you ever go to the zoo, you'll see these predators pace back and forth, but it goes beyond that self-mutilating behaviors. They're chewing their paws up. They're hurting themselves. And what I realized, I pulled over in tears uh, because like it was probably a night or two before that I'd like drank too much, right? Like I, you know, like you said, I'm humble. I don't, I'm not that guy. Like, look at me. I do it perfect. I was like, yeah, good job, Eric. You drank too much again. Way to do it. Way to do it, buddy. But I pulled over in tears because I was like, holy shit, this is why I get frustrated or angry or lose my patience or or drink myself and what, you know, drink too much or you work too much and whatever the bad crap I've done to myself over all the years. And so maybe some guys I used to think there's all these guys out there that didn't do bad crap to themselves. But I'm like, if you're that guy, then ask somebody uh, because you're probably not. My point being, I was like, crap, man, I was clearly bred to fight and hunt like John Medina. There's a book on the brain. Like, Hey, we were bred to fight, hunt and problem solve under dynamic conditions outside. So we are bred to be warriors. 
Now, some people aren't, though. Like, it's called eugenics. Some of it's getting bred out of us. And I'm not going to say that's good or bad, but I'm saying if it was bred into you, if you've got the song in you, if you're restless, if you're getting angry and impatient and you're having to drink too much because everything's so freaking boring sitting around talking to people, if you're feeling that, that's what it is. It is your warrior spirit inside. You need to go out. That's why we run and play sports is we're replacing the hunt. But for me, there's nothing better than fighting. That's why I do jujitsu. I boxed the SAS guys last year. I'll go out on an adventure, get myself lost. So what I'd say to the warriors, the warrior spirit, however you want to think about it, is recognize it and take care of it. And there is no shortcutting it. There, so for me, my psychology demands that I work out. It demands that I go in the water and surf. It demands I just free dive and spearfish. It demands I'm active. Otherwise, I will spin out immediately. And I would say to everyone, you all will probably spin out if you give it long enough. So recognize that thing and care for it. It is what you were bred to do, and it's okay. And use it and leverage it in your life, and it'll make you more powerful than you've ever known. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Eric, how can people reach you? Um, I'm uh, Eric Dave, uh, or, you know, WW whatever, the, the World Wide Web, ericdavis215.com. So E-R-I-C-D-A-V-I-S, just my name, 215.com. Um, and I am actively working on that site being the hub of everything and anything I'm doing. Um, then of course, you know, I'm like, I'm on the Twitter and the Facebook and stuff like that. And I publish to that regularly. We have a nice little pace where I'm pulling quotes from stuff I wrote or experiences or pictures or videos from the excursions. I'm, I'm getting ready for the sea excursion here in like a week and a half for the seven guys are going to come out and if you go on there, download that ebook, you'll end up on my mailing list and I'll share those excursions and those stories with you guys. And, uh, that's me right there. And, uh, I just try to dump a ton of value out for people. Very good. So they can go right to your website and uh, download that free ebook. Yeah. Yeah. Do the, I, I, I love that thing. You know, I'm stuck with the group. We, we've gone a few months, but now what we're doing is I'm literally, we're literally going down the ebook paragraph by paragraph and dissecting it and, and talking about how it applies. It's, it's the subtitles like four mistake, less mistakes men make and how to avoid them. You know, it's the catchy, whatever phrase that you got to put online, but it really is like, Hey, here are the four things I saw guys just screwing up and here's really, and here's how I really see to live a good life. And it talks about this warrior spirit. It talks about brotherhood. It talks about defining manhood for yourself. It talks about being the hero in your own life so that you could be the hero in the lives of others. Uh, and I like it. So I love that. Love Very that thing. Good. Very good. Your book, Raising Men, uh, Lessons Navy SEALs Learned from Their Training and Taught Their Sons. Uh, where can they get that? Can they get that on Amazon pretty much across the board? Uh, yeah, Amazon, um, you know, Barnes and Nobles, you know, you get them in the bookstores. I love when people get them there because then the bookstores have to keep them. So when I walk in, I can find them and then I like to pull them up to the front. So go to Barnes and Nobles, grab them from the parenting section, which I don't believe it should be. I think it should be in personal development. Pull them up to the front, leave them on your way out. But you can get them everywhere. And then if someone emails me or gets a hold of me, I can send a signed sticker or whatever to them. Um, but yeah, it's everywhere books are, you know, sold kind of thing as far as I can tell. Awesome. Hey, listen, I had a phenomenal conversation. We learned so much and I appreciate you for being on the show, man, really. And uh, we hope to have you back soon. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. I appreciate it as well. And I'll get on that second book so you have something fresh to uh, mess with me about. Great. Stay safe out there, Eric. Will do. You too. Thanks, Rafa. I really appreciate right, it. Buddy.
Gentlemen, there you have it. Such a powerful conversation with some awesome lessons learned that you could implement to your life right now. Now, remember, it takes action in your part to make it happen. Listen, check us out on social media, Man of War podcast across all social media outlets. Last but not least, if you enjoyed this episode, now please give us a review and share it with other warrior-minded men just like yourself. That is how we will continue to grow this brotherhood. Now listen, the most important aspect of this movement depends on you, your support. Let's make this happen. Until next time, remember, your life may be challenging and full of dangers, but never retreat. Your last battle may be your greatest victory.